Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. I uh, hope that you guys are having a wonderful week. Thank you for listening and making commitment to your learning. We hope that you guys are doing well. Uh, we are your hosts. I am Yvonne Brandenburg, and I am joined by the amazing, awesome, and audacious Jordan Ooh, Porter. Good one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hello, Ooh. hello, hello. <laughs> I had, to, with I had the, to, yeah, we're, we're at A. Sticking with the theme. Yeah. 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 Next week will be T, but today. I, I got a video from Matt and he was like, I like what you guys are doing. He's like, I didn't get it at first until you oh, pointed yeah. out that we're spelling his name. <laughs> That's okay. It's totally fine. It just helps us remember what order to do it in. It's fine. Don't worry, Matt. I didn't get it at first either until Yvonne said something. <laughs> And I thought I was being really clever. It's okay. You were being very clever. So clever that nobody knew about it. <laughs> yeah, but we were, we were only two letters in. It's fine. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, so, oh my gosh. Whew. It is Sunday. It is the end of September. You're so, I'm so tired. Last week in September. It's crazy. Yeah. I've well, been so... you're really tired because you were on a boat all day shrimping. <laughs> First world problems. I'm tired from the week as well. It was a very long week. That is very true. Yeah. I, I worked a lot more than my normal this week. And then like just with school and stuff like every day, every day I got home from work and I'd be like, all right, I'm going to get the kids done. And then I'm going to work on IMFVT stuff. And then I wouldn't get done with the school stuff until maybe seven thirty, eight, and then it'd be like shower, dinner time, and hurry up, let's go to bed because we gotta wake up early tomorrow, kind of thing. Because wow. all week too, we had like I had to get the kids up at like six all week, and I was like, so Dang. I didn't get a lot done. I didn't get as much done as I really wanted to this week. But now I'm on vacation. <laughs> I vacation. No, I'm so jealous of your vacation. You totally deserve it but I'm still jealous of it. Um, yeah, I was this week. I think I was tired for completely different reasons. <laughs> um, if you guys are following building things. Yeah. So I had, we, my husband and I, we took four days off last weekend. Originally we were going to go to our family's or well, his family's cabin. Um, but with all the wildfires and everything going on, we just decided to not do that because, <laughs> because, we had no idea what was going to happen. So we said, no, let's, let's not go into the woods. Um, so we stayed home. <laughs> yeah, we stayed home. Uh, and uh, I bought a shed from Costco about a month ago, but I needed to build the platform for it. So we decided to do that last weekend, which if you've seen the pictures on Facebook, it's quite the platform. <laughs> we kind of joke that um, my German engineering came out. It's definitely overkill for the size shed that we're going to put on it. But I'm really looking forward to it because um, it's going to be 
my workspace for the podcast and for the membership and for everything that we're doing as far as like webinars and books and things. Yeah. It's just going to be, it's going to be a place where I can spread out because right now I have a two foot section of counter space in my kitchen and it's a hot mess and <laughs> I can't keep anything organized. So I had to <laughs> make some space. Um, but that was, uh, when we moved back into this place, if you remember last year, the saga of like <sighs> the toilet overflowing and just everything. If you've listened to us that long, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Um, one of the stipulations was I had to have some space for my business and, uh, we finally got there. We finally got to the place where I could make the space and Costco was having a sale. So I bought the shed even better. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, it's been a long week. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I caught a lot of shrimp today. That was like my self care, but then I'm like, shoot, I'm not gonna be able to move tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. You spent how long today shrimping? I five hours, oh. six hours. Shrimping. All I can think of is um, Forrest Gump when you were telling me that you were shrimping and I was like, that yeah. sounds horrible. <laughs> oh, and I picked two, I picked two lemons off my lemon tree today too. Oh. So I can make lemon shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> shrimp stir fry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh That's funny. <laughs> my elbows are already sore though from like pulling up the net and like my back is sore. And like, I mean, we, after we deheaded them, we have at least 10 pounds of shrimp. So with the That's heads insane. on, I mean, it's probably like 15, 20 pounds of shrimp. It was a That's lot. crazy. Anyway, That's moving on. Shrimp. That is why it's so for someone who doesn't eat week. shrimp. <laughs> right. I'm not a big shrimp fan either, but it's cool. Well, I'm just, that was a lot of work for me to do to not even eat it. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> but uh, whatever. So we, um, again, we're at the end of September. We're getting, we're, we're almost in October, which is exciting because October is our anniversary month. Um, so in two weeks is going to be our one-year anniversary episode, which we have a lot of things planned for the one-year anniversary, plus it is Vet Tech Appreciation Week, so we will be celebrating all week there as well. Um, so one of the things that we wanted to do for the episode that we're going to air that week is we wanted to hear from you guys. So if you would like to send us a voicemail, <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but if you want to send us a voicemail and just uh, record something about the podcast or just say hello, you know, if you want to say happy anniversary, whatever you guys want to do, um, you can leave us a voicemail and we will play it on the podcast episode, which is really fun. So you can leave us a message at, in this, the note, the number will be in the show notes, but the number is 925-579-1216. And that's obviously in the United States. So if you need to put country code in front of that, because you're somewhere else, you can do that. Um, but you can leave us a voicemail and then we'll, we'll add it in the show. Um, because why not? We do fun stuff. Yes. Um, please get those in by October 11th so I have time to put it into the episode. Right. <laughs> Ugh, I feel like this episode is going to be a lot of uh, crazy editing. Yeah. So I'll probably be yeah, helping thanks. you a little bit on, on some of these. Just saying. <laughs> I hope so. 
Yeah. So make sure to get it in by the 11th and then we'll record or we'll, we'll upload them into the, the podcast episode and those will go live on October 13th, which is our one year anniversary. So vet tech week to go along with that. Um, just a reminder on Sunday, October 11th at 8:30 Pacific standard time, we will be doing a live webinar about platelet counts, um, which will, you know, we're, we're doing our immune system immune mediated, um, IMHA ITP this, this week and next week. So we wanted to do a platelet count webinar to go along with that. So Sunday morning, we'll do platelet count webinar. And then Monday, this is really exciting. Um, we are teaming up with Royal Canaan and we're going to do a webinar with them. So Monday, October 12th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or 12 p.m. Central Standard Time because that's where Royal Canaan webinar is based. Um, we're going to do a one hour race approved webinar um, called Upping Your Tech Game, Being a Rockstar Tech. You can register for that. Um, we have it on the Facebook page. We have it on the website, but if you just want to go straight to it, it's imfpp.org slash RC registration. So Royal Canaan registration. That'll give you the link for the registration for the Zoom meeting. Um, and so if you want to be a part of that, definitely um, register for that. For our platelet count webinar, you don't have to pre-register. We will have a link on our website, um, on the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs website that has all of our webinars. Um, so you can always go to imfpp.org slash webinar <laughs> for any of our current webinars. So we've got a couple of things. And again, this will all be in show notes um, so that you can find everything. And then the final piece of our puzzle for Vet Tech Week is uh, we are creating a Vet Tech Appreciation Week poster. And uh, if you're listening to this in the next day or so, um, we are taking photos from you guys and creating the poster. So we should start having it ready. I think it's gonna be available. Actually, may not be able to do it for this podcast episode because it'll probably go out the day of the podcast episode. Um, because we want to get it done here in the next couple of days. Um, so we'll have that available for everyone to either print or share. Um, and it's going to be on our internal medicine for vet slash vet dash tech dash appreciation dash week. We'll put a, we'll put a link again for that too. Um, but we're going to create another poster this year um, to celebrate everybody's amazing jobs as vet techs. Yeah, we've gotten some pretty cool pictures. There's some amazing pictures. I was like, oh my gosh. I don't know if we're going to get to be able to use all of them, but I'm going to try. <laughs> I know. Well, we should bank them and then use them in the future for miscellaneous things. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to see if everybody will let us do that. But there's, yeah, some, the there's some pretty awesome pictures. <sighs> so yeah, Vet Tech Appreciation Week is coming up. One year anniversary of a ton of stuff. Um, all of this will be in the links for the show notes, as well as just if you want to go to internal medicine for vettechs.com, the links will be there too. So. Anything else that we have to talk about today? No, I think that's it. 
So this week we are discussing more immune issues. Last week we talked about um, we talked about our basics. So this week and next week, actually, we're going to be doing part one and part two series on IMHA and IMTP, um, and then also Evans syndrome as well. So again, this week is part one. Next week will be part two. Last week was uh, basics. So it's um, a really good fresh start, but we have a passion for IMHA things. <laughs> so we figured we'd break it up into two. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, so you can also get your, this is, this episode is race approved for one CE hour and you can go to internal medicine for vet membership.com under the podcast course. If you are a member um, to complete this quiz and get your certificate, non-members though can use this as self-study in most places. You just won't get a certificate for it. Yep. And so you just have to make sure whatever your governing licensing body is, um, see if they accept self-study. So um, you just have to look into that. Okay. So we're going to start, the way we're going to kind of break this down is, so we talked about anatomy and physiology quite a bit um, previously. So we'll kind of reference you back to some of our previous episodes. Um, so episode 50, which was last week's, was the immune system when body attacks. So that's a good refresher on the immune system. Episode 21 was the hematology kickoff back to basics. So that helps with um, just kind of the basics of hematology. So uh, how the bone marrow works, that kind of thing. <clears throat> episode 22 was RBCs, anemia to polycythemia. Episode 23 was COAGs balancing uh, hemostasis. So those four episodes really are going to help with, you know, understanding IMHA, ITP, and then Evans, we'll talk about in a second, um, kind of the basics, the foundations for, for these two slash three diseases. I think I'm a little biased, but those are probably some of my favorite episodes. <laughs> I, you know what though, I think they are not just your favorite episodes. I think, uh, I think we've seen there. I, I think they're in our top ten, top fifteen. I think episodes, the hematology so. back to basics definitely is, but yeah, yeah, which definitely. is the one that we recorded when we were together. Oh yeah, I forgot <laughs> that. God, that was a long time ago. <laughs> That was know. 30 weeks ago. The world has changed since then. <laughs> Considering you were allowed to travel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that was like the last week I was allowed to travel too. Um, so the other thing too that's a good reference, and this is um, something that you can use both for yourself and for clients. Um, so if you have clients that their pets are diagnosed with them, you can send them to these pages. So we created um, pages on internalmedicineforpetparents.com. Um, so if you go internalmedicineforpetparents.com slash IMHA or slash IMTP, one or the other, uh, there's a lot of really good resources for clients to kind of understand and have a little bit, well, for clients to have more of an understanding of these diseases that their pets were just diagnosed with. So those are good um, resources for this episode and for clients and stuff like that. So diving into the diseases, uh, we're going to talk about 
We're going to talk about what they are, how they work, um, probably in this episode. We may get through some diagnostics. We have to kind of see time-wise where we'll be. That's why we did two parts. But we break it down because they're so similar. Again, they're, they're immune-mediated diseases, but the difference is which cells they attack. Um, but a lot of the diagnostics, treatments, how you manage them, um, is going to be very similar. So that's why we did them together in this. Um, so we talked about this part about what happens when the immune system sees erythrocytes or the red blood cells as foreign invaders. We talked mm -hmm. about that a little bit in last week's episode. That was my tip of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was like, this is great. So <laughs> what happens though, is the immune system will like tag these red blood cells as foreign invaders and mark them as like, these need to be destroyed. And so the immune system no longer recognizes the red blood cells as the, the fact that they're red blood cells that belong to the animal and they'll start breaking down these cells and this can cause severe anemia or a low red blood cell count. Yeah. And it's interesting because, um, the body can do this in a couple of ways. Mm -hmm. So it can label mm -hmm. the cells like the more mature cells. So the red blood cells floating in the bloodstream, or it can label precursor cells down in the bone marrow. So, um, there, there are different shades <laughs> of IMHA and ITP. Um, but you know, it, it, it really is the body labeling it as this. Yeah. And as we kind of learned last week though, too, there's a certain organ that is also responsible for removing these cells. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure we'll talk about it in treatment at some point about how removing the spleen yeah. can be beneficial for these patients because the cells in the spleen are the one removing these normal red blood cells from circulation causing anemia. So sometimes it is recommended, like if, if medical management isn't enough, then we'll have, the, we'll recommend a splenectomy to actually help with it. Yeah, yeah. And this is, um, this is where it helps to know whether or not it's intravascular or extravascular because yes. intravascular <laughs> IMHA is where the red blood cells quote unquote pop <laughs> in the bloodstream. And this is, so when that happens, it releases the heme and other intracellular debris into the bloodstream. This is where we actually see more, um, icterus in our samples because the heme and the, the conjugation and all that is happening within the blood vessels, which makes the liver work harder, which causes more bilirubin. And so there's, there's that whole thing versus extravascular. This is the macrophages. Cause we talked about that last week, um, in the spleen are going through and they're like, Oh, you're labeled. I'm just going to eat you and get rid of you. So that's extravascular versus intravascular. Um, so it's, there's another layer that we haven't talked yet about, but we'll talk yeah, the, about that the, in a minute. <laughs> the deeper layer is so like, I was trying to study for that, for the BTS stuff. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it is interesting because it is a very complicated disease. Both, well, both of these are insofar as it's, it's not cut and dry. It, it really depends on where in the, the body in the system, the problem is, is it in the bone marrow? Is it in the bloodstream? Is it, you know, is it in the spleen? Is it in the liver? Is it, so, you know, is it caused by the body doing it or is it caused as secondary from something else that's going on? 
So it's, you know, it is, there is no right and wrong answer, um, which is frustrating about these diseases because we don't know all the time which type of IMHA a patient has um, until we're kind of a little bit further along. And then sometimes we're just guessing because we, we don't, we don't always know. Um, and then immune mediated thrombocytopenia. So IMTP or ITP, depending on, you know, where you want. Oh, I will say this as well, because I always forget that the, the old term for IMHA used to be AIHA, which is autoimmune hemolytic anemia. So AIHA, IMHA, um, same disease. We just call it immune mediated hemolytic anemia now. Um, so IMHA. IMTP. So similar, similar idea, right? The body, the immune system has tagged platelets as being a foreign invader and that starts breaking down the platelets and getting rid of them. Um, we don't see, we don't see the same like icterus or jaundice of our patients mm -hmm. because again, they don't have the, the platelets don't have the hemoglobin in them. So that's not an issue. Um, but we will see the severe bruising and spontaneous bleeding. So yeah. Petechiation is pretty interesting. Like, especially we, I think we typically, I don't know, I guess it varies. A lot of times we'll see it initially on the gums and then it'll gradually move to like the abdomen and stuff mm -hmm. gradually gets worse and worse. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, the reason why you see that pinpoint petechiae is every time you move a tiny capillary like breaks, Burst. right? Yeah. It bursts. And normally what happens is you would never even notice it. You, you don't see any bruising, but the problem is we don't have platelets with these patients. So these teeny tiny capillaries that have ruptured in a normal, completely normal way can't stop bleeding. So that's where you get these little pinpoint petechiae because the capillaries in normal movement are bleeding and don't stop. Um, normally, you know, takes just a tiny amount of platelets to plug up this hole and, and we're good. But if you don't have platelets, you can't form the clot. And then the kind of third part of this wheel is Evans syndrome. So Evans syndrome is where a patient has both IMHA and IMTP at the same time. Um, and it sometimes it's hard to figure out, is it Evans syndrome? Like, is it truly immune mediated against both red blood cells and platelets? Or is it an ITP patient who's anemic because they're bleeding? Or is it um, an IMHA patient who's low on platelets because, you know, the body is using platelets in, in places? So, Sometimes it's hard to figure out if it's, if it's one, the other, or if it's actually both. Um, so we'll talk about some of those differentials in a little bit. So with these patients, so how, how does it present? What are some of the, you know, species breed predispositions? So with IMHA, the crappy thing is any breed can actually be diagnosed at any age, which is super annoying. Um, both dogs and cats can be diagnosed, although... Cats definitely are not that common. Um, I think I've seen. I've seen a handful. Yeah, I was going to say a handful at most. I, I can think of like three or four. 
I've seen more cockers alone than I've seen cats. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And um, so because most of the times, sorry, not to yeah, like interrupt, but most of the times when our cat patients come in with IMHA or just anemia, we always said, like, we had a case like this last week where they sent it to us, it transferred to us for presumed IMHA, but in reality, it was, like, just anemia from chronic disease, mm. and then we'll get, like, a lot of the feline leukemia positive patients that have anemia. Yeah. So. Well, and it's hard because it could be IMHA, but it could be, you know, it could be secondary to some of these diseases, and we'll talk about that in just a yeah. second. Um, because so, so the common breeds, <laughs> Jordan said it, Cocker Spaniels. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's totally my, it's Cocker Spaniels. Um, they're like the poster child for IMHA. Um, and then it's older to middle-aged dogs typically, um, and then female dogs. So that's, that's the thing. But again, it could be, it could be anything really. Um, there's, there's definitely some more studies that are being done because we do see, you know, there's not necessarily there's more IMHA and ITP dogs, but dogs and cats. But I think there's also like a time of year that it's more prevalent. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know why. Do you? Do you, you know I, if there's like a specific reasoning behind why we see it more in spring? So there is nothing official, but. Okay. If you think about it, it, we're talking about things that are stimulating the immune system. Mm -hmm. And spring is when everything's allergies start flaring up. So if you have a patient with chronic seasonal allergies, it's not being treated. Like a cocker spaniel? Like a cocker spaniel (laughs) or a pit bull, (laughs) just saying. Um, If you're not treating that underlying allergic reaction, well, the body, because we talked about it in last episode, the body all of a sudden goes, something's wrong. I don't know what it is. And then it, you know, goes, wait, oh, it's this red blood cell. I'm going to inappropriately label it. That's that cell that needs to get fired, but doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) It's the one that's really like hungover. It's like, oh, it's it's this guy over here. (laughs) Oh, shoot. I really need to get my job done. So we're just going to like tag this one. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, there's nothing official about it, but we definitely see like spring, early spring Mm -hmm. when everything, like when pollen counts are crazy high, that's when we see the most newly diagnosed immune mediated hemolytic anemia or thrombocytopenic patients for sure. Definitely. Um, which I mean, it makes sense. You're, you're stimulating the immune system. Yeah. And that's when things go wrong. So. And especially with allergies, it's more of like a, it's like a chronic thing. Yeah. Well, and I think people, um, some people just don't realize it. So a lot of times these, these pets, if you really dig into their history, a lot of times they'll have some kind of a chronic inflammation, chronic, you know, situation that, was sort of controlled, but not fully. And it just predisposes them to having more issues because inflammation causes all this stuff too. So, um, but we kind of talked about it. So there's, there's primary IMHA and then there's secondary IMHA. So primary means there is no other cause for it that we know of. So we call it idiopathic or primary IMHA. 
And that just means that there's antibodies that were made to destroy the red blood cells. We typically see a regenerative anemia, but not always, but that is more common. Like this classic is regenerative anemia. We'll see spherocytes. Um, and spherocytes, I love spherocytes. I'm, yeah. I'm such a dork. When I find them on like smears, I get very excited. It took me so long to feel comfortable with like calling a spherocyte really? just because of, yeah. Well, because I went from GP where I like never looked oh, at blood yeah. smears to internal medicine. And thank God my doctor was like amazing. And so was my office manager. They're amazing. And she was, she's like cytology queen anyway. Yeah. And so I was like, I need you, like, I have a saved slide at, at work because it has so many spherocytes on it. And it's just like, it's the perfect IMHA slide. Yeah. Like it has all the things that you expect to see. <laughs> yeah. It's like and, textbook. And spherocyte. So what a spherocyte is, if you break down the term, right? Sphere means ball um, and site is cell. So literally what it is, is normally a red blood cell looks like a whoopee cushion, right? So it's round, but it's flat in the center and you can kind of see that central pallor, right? So it looks like a whoopee cushion. Well, spherocyte, what happens is the body has labeled the red blood cell with antigens and the antibodies have attached themselves and, and some of the cells have taken little bites out of the cellular membrane. And so it loses that structure that gives it that kind of whoopee cushion shape. And what happens is it goes from that flat whoopee cushion to a round ball. And so that's why we lose that central pallor because now instead of being skinny in the middle, now that's the fattest part of the red blood cell. So it looks like a ball. And so that thickness is what gives it the lack of central pallor. So when you're looking on a slide, what you'll see is spherocytes are gonna be, they're gonna look smaller in size, so mm. narrower than the other red blood cells, and they're gonna be kind of the same color or darker in the center compared to the rest of the cells around them. Um, and spherocytes are classic for IMHA, because again- and they're very, they're very, Definitely more like perfectly round yes. than some of our normal red blood cells. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So you'll you'll see them, and then autoagglutination is also mm -hmm. kind of that classic thing. So we we'll talk about it a little bit later where we do slide agglutination. But autoagglutination is where there's microagglutinates. Hopefully it's not macro, but sometimes it is um, microagglutinates that are just in the blood, and that could be in the bloodstream or it could be outside of the bloodstream. So we have tiny little agglutinates because it's, it's reacting to itself. So that's primary. Secondary is something has set off the immune system and is making it happen. So the kind of classic things that can cause an IMHA are gonna be um, tick-borne disease. So we always do a tick panel, always, always, always. Do you guys always do tick panels on your? Oh, always like tick PCR panels. Like yeah. that's step one of yeah. any anemic patient. Because yeah. we'll do them in cats too. Like yep. tick PCR panels across the board. Yep. Because so many things, infectious things can cause a secondary yeah, immune reaction. Yeah, exactly. So the, the big ones are Babesia. Um, and this is, if you remember correctly, Babesia is super common in pit bulls. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have a pit bull, definitely do a tick-borne 
um, panel. Uh, hemoplasma, cytoxoin, hemobart, salmonellosis, and cyclostoma, anaplasma, and trichurus vulpus. So your intestinal parasites as well as blood parasites can cause a secondary IMIJ. Which if you saw my video on the oh, Facebook yeah. page, <laughs> oh you my can kind of see why it causes anemia. Yeah. That sucker was bleeding. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. If you guys haven't Mind seen you, it. that was not a whipworm. I think someone asked too if it was a whipworm because hookworms aren't normally found in the colon but they're shaped very differently. Like this was very much a hookworm. Oh, really? Just given how the shape was. I don't, but I don't like parasites. I know. That's I why know. I sent you the video. You're such a jerk. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I did share it with everybody, but uh, if you haven't seen that video, by the way, go on our Facebook page. Um, Jordan did a colonoscopy on a patient. It was a surgical patient that had a mass mm -hmm. and they were like, Oh, by the way, can you just look up there while we're doing this? Which so weird but it's just uh, more of a like make sure there's none further up like because you could easily palpate oh. rectally this big mass oh. and so they wanted us to do a colonoscopy to make sure there was none further up that would make though, it like, for a more difficult surgery kind of thing exactly because it was almost like too simple because it was so close like we couldn't even biopsy it with the scope because it was so close to the rectum oh wow and that we just end up putting our finger and pulling it out and biopsying it that way Oh, wow. There was, yeah, yeah. It was, it was so... That makes sense. That I was like, why are you guys doing that before surgery? But it's crazy. So you guys did the colonoscopy. Yes. And then there's this video. Yes. Of a we worm so... just like hanging out in nom, the nom, intestines. Nom. <laughs> so definitely check it out because you don't get to see it super often. Because in internal medicine, we deworm everything before we scope it. Yeah. So this just happened to be like a surgery patient that came in well and because it was a known mass like it, the right. dog had zero symptoms of intestinal parasites <laughs> and it was one of those things where they had found the mass like two months prior or something like that so they had stopped heartworm prevention mm. and then the dog picked up probable hookworms and it was just one of the it was just one of those weird things like the dog, dog wasn't having diarrhea it wasn't having any gi issues whatsoever which is amazing <laughs> versus most giant. of the colonoscopies that we do it's always like bloody poop yeah that we're exactly. investigating <laughs> yep um and then cats um on top of all the other tick-borne things but specifically mycoplasma um hemophilus is kind of the big one that is infectious that sets them off the other secondary causes of imha so medications, so trimethoprim sulfa, um, and then cephalosporins are super common to also set them off. Cephalosporins, the antibiotic you'll never find an IM. <laughs> right, exactly. We never use it. Yeah. Um, and then, so the other thing, which is why we do such huge workups on these patients is cancer because cancer can do whatever it wants. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess, I, I guess lymphoma out of all the cancers is one of the big ones, which I guess makes sense because lymphoma is the immune system. So, mm -hmm. I, guess, so I guess it makes sense when I think about it. Um, leukemia, so bone marrow, right? Mast cell tumor, because mast cell tumors are 
indirectly related to the immune system because of mast cells. Um, splenic hemangioma, which again, the spleen, the spleen also filters blood and then a soft tissue sarcoma. Like those are kind of the big ones. So it's, again, it's any of the diseases, any of the cancers can do it, <laughs> which is funny. I'm like, okay, cool. It's like the differential list that we always, <laughs> right? All the differential lists for internal medicine. All of, all of the above <laughs> until we find one that says yes. Exactly. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's like the hardest part with clients too, is just being like, we have to rule out all of these things before I we know. can say it's a primary, which that Cause every time sucks. it's like, I know. Cause every time they're like, so wait, everything came back normal. And I'm like, yeah. Yes. So that and they're like this. So I spent all that money for nothing. I'm like, no, no, no. It means that it's not, not any of these. Because that's a well, whole what is different treatment plan. <laughs> yeah. Which exactly. honestly, I, I get excited when it's a tick-borne disease that's causing it. Yeah. Because it's such a better prognosis. It is. Because it's like, treat the tick-borne disease and then you're probably not going to deal with the autoimmune problem in, in the future. Exactly. It's not going to be like the lifelong. Right. <laughs> right. Which is what if you have primary, it's usually lifelong. Yeah. Um, interestingly, inflammatory processes also can cause secondary IMHA, which is, I mean, we kind of talked about it when we were talking about seasonal inflammation, right? So pancreatitis uh, can, can set off IMHA because again, inflammatory process, prostatitis and cystitis. Yeah. I don't think I've seen prostatitis set it off. I've definitely seen urinary tracts, uh, urinary tract For infections sure. set it off, but I don't know if I've seen prostatitis actually set it off. But I think that's because it does mostly occur in female dogs. Yeah. That's why we haven't really seen it. Probably. And then um, systemic lup lupus erythematosus or SLE, um, because again, it's systemic inflammation can do whatever it wants as well. So other things, so the last one is kind of toxins. Um, so we think of like a recent vaccination because we've stimulated the immune system. So recent meaning a couple of days to, you know, week, two weeks at, at kind of the most is what we think of with IMHA. Um, or like a bee sting envenomation or a spider bite or something like that. So toxins that have come, come into the system and kind of set them off. So that is what is classically termed as a secondary IMHA. So these other things happened that caused the IMHA instead of the system just being like, meh, I'm just going to start doing whatever I want and attacking my own red blood cells. You know, who needs red blood cells? So presentation for an IMHA patient, um, if you think about it, they're, they're, they're lysing their red blood cells. So these patients are usually going to come in pale, lethargic, depressed, weak. Sometimes they're not eating. Sometimes they have, um, you know, dyspnea. So they might be taking bigger breaths. They might be panting. They can be jaundiced and not all of them are. Again, it depends. Is it intravascular or is it extravascular hemolysis that's going on? And then these patients, they usually will come in with PCVs anywhere from 13% to 21%. Um, and, and it's kind of crazy when you think about some of these patients coming in at 13% and they're still walking 
because it's gradually gotten down to 13% instead of mm -hmm. like an acute bleed and I'm at 13%. I gotta um, say, I've seen a handful of cats that come in at like nine. The lowest ten. I've seen is four. No, the lowest Ooh. I saw was four, and the cat was still like walking. I was like, "How?" You're that like, cat had leukemia. That's not real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I re but like I unfortunately like poked the cat again You're like, and checked it again, right. and then um, I think the lowest dog I've seen was eight. Yeah, I've seen seven and eight for some of the dogs. We had a so, recent one and she got down to eight. Yeah. And that was, um, an, that was an ITP dog though. Yeah. So part of the reason I'll just say it here. Part of the reason I personally am so passionate about IMHA ITP is because I had an Evans dog. <laughs> so um, when I was in baby internal medicine technician, um, my dog actually came in for Evans and it was crazy because I just was like, oh, she's a little quiet at home. Um, and she didn't want to eat the last day or two. And when we did her PCV, it was 13%. And I was like, how did I not notice? So I always give some sympathy to, to clients when they're like, how did that happen? And I'm like, well, if it makes you well, feel this, any better, I work yeah. in internal medicine and I didn't notice it. So yeah. Like, I do think that they act mostly normal up until they just, they literally like they, just can't. Yeah. They're like, I can't compensate anymore. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I'm too weak to open my mouth to eat this morning. Like, I'm just. <laughs> I have no energy for anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then our immune-mediated thrombocytopenia or our IMTP, um, I call it ITP. So if I drop I, that. I think I do when I'm talking to clients, but I write out IMTP, but I say <laughs> ITP. I say ITP most frequently. So yeah. I imagine that during this episode, I'll probably just say ITP. <laughs> it's totally fine. I think that's what everybody does. It's fine. Do it. Um, Do it, Jordan. <laughs> so kind of similar as IMHA. So primary IMTP is more commonly seen in our middle-aged female dogs. Co Cocker Spaniels, again, are yeah. up at the top of the list. German Shepherds, Poodles, and Old English Sheepdogs. I can't say I've seen many Shepherds. I'm surprised dachshunds aren't on the list because I feel like I see a lot of dachshunds. You know, it's it's funny because I don't, so these, this information came from the studies that were done probably 10 years ago now. And I really feel mm -hmm. like they're kind of outdated as far as like what the common disease or common breeds are, because I feel the same way. Like I usually see the little white fluffy things. Mm -hmm. um d definitely cocker spaniels um yeah, poodles and, maltese dachshunds a ton of pit bulls and i think that's because their immune systems are crazy i don't see a ton of pit bulls really i yeah. mean it, it's just so it's more common in these breeds but it, it can happen any age any sex any breed um you know because it's a good old im disease right <laughs> <laughs> it plays no favorites it does not <laughs> Um, and so there's primary antibody destruction of platelets. So same thing. These platelets get marked as um, foreign material within the bloodstream or within the body. And something is set off to tag them and destroy those. So these patients can present with bruising, either small or pinpoint spots like petechia or large bruising, especially if these patients have, say they've been vaccinated recently or they, this is what happens a lot, a lot of times when I see them is they'll go in for just acting a little lethargic and then jug sticks are done. And then by the time they come to 
me because they're like, oh, there's no platelets. But then there's like massive bruising on the neck. We had one recently where the dog had massive bruising on the neck, but she was actually not like poked for blood draws because it was like, oh my God, like she's got bruising everywhere. It turns oh. out there's a puppy at home who just kind of nod on her. Like they didn't fight uh, or anything. She just like would just chew a on typical her. puppy like chewing yeah. on her. And she was just like bruising all over like crazy. Ooh. And I was like, yeah, it, it was. And like the poor people, like they felt so bad. They're like, if we would have known, I was like, you can't There's know. There's no until way you would have Because the yeah. dog was already, it was like overweight and just didn't do a lot anyway. So yeah. it wasn't like a very active dog. And then, then the dog just started bruising. And then that's when they brought her in. Yeah, I've definitely so, seen them same thing where there's just like a random bruise. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. They, they can definitely have spontaneous bleeding such as uh like nosebleeds or epistaxis. We had a cat come in the other day, we checked platelets and coags on for epistaxis because it was a one-time event. Mm-hmm. Uh bloody urine is very, very common, um, or bloody stool, and then bloody vomit is also very common or other random bleeding. Now I got to say, anytime there's blood anywhere within the GI tract, mm. it always like kind of makes my heart sink a little. Cause it's very, very difficult to get like an ITP patient who starts with GI bleeding somewhere <laughs> to like stop. <laughs> yeah. Cause melanin can also present in these patients too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then, yeah. Cause you've already got like a GI system that's, got some sort of either an ulcer or you know Mm -hmm. a scrape from something yeah Yeah, so all platelets that the body is able to actually produce and circulate are going straight to the gi tract but it's never enough yeah and the amount of meds that we give sometimes just isn't enough it really i hate it when they come in with gi bleeds the moment i see melana or something or blood on the thermometer i'm like no yeah yeah (laughs) i agree it's it's the worst i've um I've also seen, uh, we had one come in with hyphema. Oh yeah. Yeah. We had that too. This overweight dog who was being chewed on by the puppy. Oh, same left eye was, yeah. Yeah. It's where, so if you've ever seen hyphema, it's creepy because the eye is literally has like a pool of blood in it because it's not clotted. So it kind of, it moves, (laughs) it moves. And you're just like, Oh, you know, those like, like oil things that you used to play with as a kid yeah. that had like the blue oil and it was mixed with water. So you could like watch the waves or whatever. That's, yeah, that's exactly, exactly what it's like. And it, yeah. And but so red. it's great when it resolves. It's like a reddish Brown. It's really gross, <laughs> but yeah, we've, we've, I've seen that. I, I've definitely seen the nosebleeds. We've had quite a few nosebleeds. Um, and then like people go, Oh yeah, she's got a urinary tract infection. She's got blood in her urine. And you're like, Ooh, actually she just doesn't have platelets so there's that yeah yeah and then um these patients can definitely also present anemic especially depending on the severity of the bruising i mean like i said the patient i was just discussing she came in anemic at i think 12 percent because she was just bleeding into her eye and into her skin and into her gut like crazy um she got i think four blood transfusions Anyway, um, so they can come in anemic, pale, lethargic, not eating, um, just because they may have excessive bleeding. And they also, like, a lot of times their mouths will bleed. Like, owners will notice, like, blood in their drinking water and stuff like that because after they eat, they can 
cause like a little bit of irritation to their gum line and they can bleed from their gums as well. So yeah, that's actually, that's one of the things that I saw with my dog and I just was like, yeah, it's not that bad. Cause she had a Nyla bone that she would chew right before bed. Like that was like her wubby thing. She would chew on her Nyla bone and then she'd go to bed. Well, I started seeing it. There was a little bit of blood on the Nyla bone and I was like, oh, she's got some gingivitis. So I was like, cool, whatever. No big deal. Yeah. She just didn't have platelets. <laughs> so thrombocytopenia is categorized as less than 200,000 platelets per microliter. And then these patients are at risk for spontaneous bleeding when it's less than 20,000 platelets per microliter, which I thought it was 40,000. I think spontaneous bleed is, is technically like in the books, it says uh, below 20,000, but I know that it also in the same books talks about, um, 40 to 70 is kind of the critical area. Yeah. So you're probably going to have bleeding, but not just like you're standing there doing nothing and start bleeding. So I think that's their definition of spontaneous bleed versus you touch something and bleed. <laughs> <laughs> you just like turn your head and just yeah. like psh. blood. Yeah. And then secondary ITP can be actually caused by a lot of the same things that IMHA can be caused by secondary IMHA can be caused by. So we're still looking for our tick-borne diseases. We're looking for cancer. We're mm-hmm. looking for all of these other causes that can cause the immune system to want to attack itself. So similar diagnostic tools that we're using for both, both of these type of cases. Yeah. And then when we're talking about Evans syndrome, it's, it's, it's a combination of both of these. So IMHA, ITP, the problem with Evans is because it's both these patients usually are going to be more difficult to control long-term. Um, but immediate, they, they react very similar. The problem is now you're hoping to get more red blood cells and platelets instead of one or the Mm. other. (laughs) And there is a, there is a, like, so as we're talking about with ITP, we have those patients who do come in anemic, but just because they have ITP and then they're anemic does not make them an Evans syndrome. Right. Because they are anemic due to bleeding. Right. They are anemic because of blood loss. Like maybe they have a GI bleed, right? Exactly. That was what my patient last week was. She was becoming anemic frequently over and over and over because she had severe GI bleeding. Yeah. Um, So there's a difference between that and like Evans syndrome. There's also like the consumption of platelets that can also be a thing. So yeah, I think that's a fine line to not just assume that, well, I have an ITP that definitely has no platelets, but also has a crit of 12. It's an Evans. It's not. Yeah. So it, well, I mean, it might hard. be, but it's not. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> because you have to look for, like, so if you have an ITP and you have a low PCV, right, you need to look and say, see, are there spherocytes present? Because if not, mm-hmm. it's probably not an IMHA. It's probably just blood loss, right? Versus if you see spherocytes, <laughs> then yes, 100%, that is what's happening. Now, it's hard because when you have an IMHA and you have low platelets, that is harder to differentiate because there's no like equivalent of like a spherocyte for platelets, but you can sometimes see like large platelets or small, tiny microplatelets um, that can give you kind of an idea. Um, but it also, you can kind of start to differentiate them with how they respond to treatment. So mm-hmm. that's another way to kind of figure out, you know, is it an IMHA, ITP, or is it an Evans, which is both. 
Um, and we kind of talked about, you know, diagnosing these diseases. The, the crappy thing is to diagnose a primary of either one of these, it, it really is a diagnosis of rule outs. And so, yes, it is very frustrating for clients because, you know, do we have anemia? Yeah. Do we have anemia because of something else going on? Like we have a zinc toxicity or we have a PK deficiency or some other thing that's causing anemia, you know, like maybe it's warfarin toxicity. So it's hard because you have to rule all of these things out before we can say, yes, this is what it is. And this is how we treat it. Because, because if it's like an infection or cancer and we're suppressing the immune system, we can make things much worse. Um, so that's, that's why we have to rule out a bunch of things before we can mm -hmm. really treat it appropriately. Yeah. So story time, cause we had a, it was like a Shih Tzu that we, it got transferred to us for suspected IMHA and the clients kind of gave us some pushback on like doing like mm -hmm. the normal workup. We started with an ultrasound looking for bleeding or big mass or yeah. Yeah. And then we wanted to move on to x-rays. Same thing. Like we were taking chest x-rays looking for bleeding or a mass. Um, and I accidentally like didn't collimate super well. Mm. Um, like, so I caught a little bit too much of the abdomen. Turns out there was a nickel in this dog's stomach. Um, nice. <laughs> that we couldn't see with the ultrasound because it, it's, it's metal like, and you don't see it on ultrasound. Yeah. So, um, I was like, I walked into the room. I was like, so don't be mad that I didn't collimate very well, but, right. <laughs> I was but I just like, happened to catch this over here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a really, really, and it was, it was, it's like magic too, because so we called the owners and like I said, they gave us pushback about the x-rays. Cause they're like, well, why would we need that? If the dog is anemic, it might need a blood transfusion, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, we're just trying to rule out everything. Just make sure that the chest looks okay. Make sure we don't have any fluid in the chest, even though we don't hear any. Mm. Um, and they're like, but you did an ultrasound, so you don't need to x-ray the belly and blah, blah, blah. We're like, well, sometimes we use them hand in hand, but they said no to the abdomen x-rays. And then, um, we ended up like, so we saw the nickel, we got a radiology report confirmed that it was in the stomach and we, um, went to scope. And then the next day the dog's crit like was back up to not the scary. I mean, like it kind of depends on who you ask, but in IM world, it was like 23. We're like, yay. Oh, 23 is great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was at like 17 because it was a regenerative anemia. Like it was, well, yeah, and I think, I think one of those, one of those weird things about, so everybody says treat the number. No, you treat the symptoms, right? Yeah. So a patient who's been chronically anemic, you know, they, they may have gotten down to 15 or 13 and they can still walk. They can still do the things they need to do. They're not hypoxic necessarily, yeah. right? You've figured that out with an SPO2. Um, but that's not as severe life-threatening as you know a dog whose pcb was 45 got cut and now it's down to 25 and they're hypoxic because there was a drastic change from 45 mm -hmm. to 25 and so i think it's one of those things where people go oh my god it's 25 i have to give a transfusion it's like well but they don't look hypoxic their spo2 is normal no let's just give the body a chance to come up with some red blood cells instead of giving a transfusion because again transfusions are not we're not, not benign. always <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly like we still run the risks of 
causing a transfusion reaction or potentially causing a transfusion reaction in the future. Yeah. Um, so again, big things to rule out is the other big thing is cancer. So again, we're doing chest x-rays, we're doing an ultrasound to look for cancer, um, you know, checking the body in general for lumps and bumps, and then checking for any other metastatic disease that could be there because that can definitely cause a secondary IMHA or ITP. And then DIC, so disseminated intravascular coagulation, um, because that is consumption of red blood cells and platelets. A lot of times that mm -hmm. can be easily confused with Evans syndrome um, instead of, you know, inflammatory response instead of autoimmune response. Yeah. yeah. Well, because these, those dogs too, dogs or cats with DIC, like it's consumption of platelets because their platelets are being pushed out. It's <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So they are being used, but inappropriately. So then they're bleeding where they need platelets, but the platelets aren't able to go there. So when you look at a blood smear, it seems like these patients don't have platelets and then they're also anemic. Right. So DIC is definitely, I can't, I can't wait till we actually have a discussion on DIC because it's one of those things yeah. that I'm fascinated, but it's also like the worst thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mean dead, dead in cage? Death is coming? Which one? Which yes. One is it? Yeah. DIC. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because, you know, these patients are pretty sick. So, you know, they do require a lot of hospitalization. And we'll talk next um, episode about that. Um, yeah. Because a lot of those patients too, I mean, like I, I know when we talk with clients for IMHA specifically, we tell them like they are at risk for throwing clots. Like it's very common for these patients because their immune systems all out of whack and mm -hmm. they are anemic and sometimes their bodies like throw a bunch of platelets here right <laughs> and they're very prone to ptes so it's, it's very much a bummer yeah because that always happens too like right around the time that they're about to rally yeah <laughs> they look like they're gonna rally and then they crash and you're like oh yeah. yeah i'm just like no <laughs> exactly um so I guess we're going to stop here for this week because I think we've got, I think we've got an hour's worth of info. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just about. Yeah. And then we'll pick up with diagnostics and treatment for next week. Yes. Um, which those two things alone will definitely take about an hour. Yes, for sure. And, and we'll touch on stuff we've talked about today. Um, and so, you know, it's not like, I definitely think it'd be best to listen to this episode first and then listen to part two. So, um, try, it'd probably not be a good idea to do them out of order. Just saying. <laughs> so sorry for the people who've already listened to part two before you listen to part one. <laughs> we'll try to warn everybody next week. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully that gives you a good basic foundation of IMHA, ITP, and Evans. Um, I think, you know, for me personally, I'd love to hear from you guys, like what your experiences are with them. Um, like I said, I had a dog with Evans, so I always feel like a small part of me is super passionate about these conversations 
Um, my talk at ACVM was about Evans. So I, I definitely, I'm excited that we get to do these now, finally. <laughs> I know, right? We only waited a whole year. When, I'm pretty sure a year ago we had the conversation of that's what we should start with. But we're like, we loved it so much. We didn't want to do it wrong. Right? <laughs> like, do you remember that? That conversation. We did we have that conversation. Like, we're like, no, we don't want to screw it up. So we're going to wait until we figure out how to do this podcasting thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like we've gotten our outlines down pretty well. I'm kind of glad we waited, but like. I, well, and it's still. nice because we do have the references again, you know, go back and listen to the other episodes. So the immune system, episode 50, episode 21, the hematology kickoff, episode 22, RBCs, anemia, polycythemia, and 23, coags and balancing hemostasis. Because I think those episodes really give you the basics of understanding how this stuff all works together. And, and this is when it goes wrong, what happens. <laughs> yeah. Back to basics are always great. I mean, really, yeah. like those seriously are some of my favorite episodes to do. Yeah. Because I, I, I forget a lot of the basic stuff. So do I, because it's so easy to just know how to do, but like without like thinking. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we're going to let you guys stew on that. And then next week we're going to do diagnostics, treatment plan. Um, let us know what your experiences are with IMHA, ITP, Evans, what your favorite part is about it, what your least favorite part about it is, or, you know, Maybe you haven't dealt with any of them before, and this is, this is all super, you know, new to you guys. Um, but let us know. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Since, uh, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but Finn's snoring in the background because he says it's time to go to bed. <laughs> he is snoring hard. Oh, my gosh. All right. On that He's note, ready, guys, ready. <laughs> keep getting your learn on. Um, we will talk you guys next week and um, we can't wait to continue the imha itp talk and then um and then it'll be vet tech appreciation week yeah yay <laughs> all right guys have a good week keep getting your learn on and we'll talk to you next week bye bye thank you for listening to today's episode of the internal medicine for vet techs podcast if you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettex.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.